Welcome to a brand new edition of Problematic Women. I'm Lauren Evans. And I'm Virginia Allen. Lauren had a birthday this yeah. past weekend, so mm-hmm. Lauren, happy 21st. Thank you. <laughs> it's, it's the 10th anniversary <laughs> of my 21st birthday. I love that so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was obviously a big day for you. Um, you know, it was also kind of a big day for me because I played laser tag well, for I the mean- first time. <laughs> At your party. It was great. <laughs> Again, as a human in my 30s, I never imagined that I would go play laser tag for my birthday, but <laughs> there just happens to be a bar really close to my house. It's in a very odd location. It's underneath an Aldi. You have to like walk through a gym to get to it. But there's a laser tag place in it. And we were like, you know what? We're adults. When do we ever play laser tag? <laughs> so we decided to go, and I thought it would be like a fun activity. We'd play mm-hmm. a game, we'd go sit down, we'd have a couple of beers, and that would be the end of it. No, we got three games, and we played for like two hours straight, and we had so much fun. So much fun. And it was like a really solid workout. Yeah. I was sweating so much and got so into it. There's like you almost, I mean, obviously it's not like you're really in war, but there is this adrenaline. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, there's people shooting at me and there's lights everywhere. And you have to like get your like laser gun and you like wait in a room and they're like, okay, go, go, go. And then they open the door and everybody has to like run up and there's an upstairs and a downstairs. Yeah. I hurt my, like I bruised my knee <laughs> and I still like, I'm like, I'll bump it against something. I'm like, oh my laser tech injury. <laughs> So, and battle scars. So, those of you who are in your mid twenties who think your life is over as it goes into your thirties, just know, laser tag is waiting for you. you. Can always go play laser tag <laughs> and feel like a little kid again. So good. All right. Well, let's keep that energy going, Lauren. What do we have queued up on today's show? Pew 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 pew. Up on today's problematic women, Chicago schools are done with male and female restrooms. From now on, all bathrooms will be unisex. Plus, a biological male swimmer at the University of Pennsylvania is breaking records as a female swimmer. And the far left is celebrating. Plus, we give you an update on a Christmas tree that burned down in New York City. And, of course, we can't end the year without talking about the most popular emoji. But as always, we'll be crowning our Problematic Women of the Week. Each week on Problematic Women, we sort through the news to find stories that are of particular interest to conservative-leaning or problematic women, those whose views and opinions are often excluded by those on the so-called feminist left. If you are a problematic woman or just someone who supports strong, independent women, please consider supporting us by leaving a review or a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and encouraging others to subscribe. It really does make a difference. All right, let's get to it. Chicago public schools have done away with male-only and female-only restrooms. As of December 1st, women's rooms in Chicago schools are now labeled Girls Plus and men's rooms are labeled Boys Plus. Chicago Public Schools says they are doing this to create a more equitable learning environment for kids. Take a listen to the announcement. One change that will be implemented this school year relates to our school bathrooms. In compliance with new federal guidelines, all CPS students and staff will have fair and equitable access to bathroom facilities that align with their gender identity. We will be providing all schools with updated signage that makes our bathrooms more inclusive. It will identify the fixtures available in each restroom and make it clear that all restrooms are open for use by anyone who feels comfortable. 
All restrooms are open for use by anyone who feels comfortable. But what about the kids that now don't feel comfortable using any restroom, thinking that there could be a boy or a girl, someone of the opposite sex in the stall right next to them or maybe following behind them? into the bathroom. So here with Lauren and I to break this down, discuss the details is our friend and colleague, Genevieve Malandra. She's a senior marketing associate at the Heritage Foundation. Genevieve, thanks so much for being here. You're welcome. Glad to be here. What was your first thought? What was your reaction when you heard this, that Chicago Public Schools are doing away with female-specific and male-specific restrooms to make all of their bathrooms in their public schools unisex? Um, that it's just total malarkey. Mm. And when I say that, I mean, it's, it's virtue signaling, it's fluff. Um, who's paying for all of this was the next thing I thought. And, (laughs) you know, constantly hearing from the left about, you know, the need for textbooks and, um, more, you know, equitable sports teams and music programs and things like that. Why is this even on the radar until we've, got the important things checked off the list, which would be textbooks, yeah. you know, music oh, yeah. education or Where are our extracurricular. Yeah. 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 Sports, which teach youth to, to work in teams and encourage physical fitness and things like that. I mean, let's get all of that checked off the list. Mm-hmm. Why is this a priority right yeah. now? <laughs> or just the Chicago students aren't getting <clears throat> murdered. Like, yeah. you know, the Chicago murder rate is up hugely. Uh, but what I appreciated the most was this Girls Plus and Boys Plus. It almost reminds me of like Disney Plus. It's like the cool new app, <laughs> the cool new bathroom coming to your school. <laughs> Girls Plus. <laughs> be whatever you want to be. Oh. Yeah. Well, and, and the claim here is that this policy is in fulfillment of the U.S. Uh, Department of Education Title IX protections against discrimination. But I feel like this is completely discriminatory specifically against women. Yeah. Oh, 100 percent. It's it's. Taking Title IX and doing the exact opposite of what it was created to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, whenever you hear the word equitable, it should just be an alarm in your head. I mean, like, woo, woo, Wait woo, a woo second. equitable, not, this is not equitable. This is woke speak yeah. where the world is just backward. Well, and the real kicker here in my mind is that the public schools in Chicago, they're also instituting a single stall restroom that is open for anyone, which I feel like that's that's a pretty good solution to the issue of having transgender students to have a third bathroom option. That's one stall. Anyone can go in, close the door if they're not comfortable using the men's room or the women's room. So they're doing that. But at the same time, then they're also opening up women's restrooms and men's restrooms to anyone. And I'm just like, the logic doesn't follow here. Well, they're fetishizing any conversation or, um, you know, about sexuality, gender. I mean, it's, you know, it's become this fetish for the left. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, it's virtue singularly. Yeah. 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 And I I call them onesies. (laughs) (laughs) But A, I don't know where they're finding space for all these new bathrooms and but B, you're right, Virginia. Like they could just totally go into this single stall bathroom and then the girls can use the girls' room and the boys can use the boys' one. But Genevieve, you're right too. They they can't separate themselves. They are these are adults who are projecting adult sexual feelings on children. Like, no, if you're transgender and you're a young student, like A, either use the bathroom that you were born with, or B, use this single stall. There's no reason why these kids should need to use this special bathroom, this Girls Plus, Boys Plus. Little kids aren't wired like that. 
Yeah. Well, and so much of this just comes down to this innate denial that there are true differences between men and women and being comfortable with those differences, being okay with the fact that men and women are very much so not the same. And we have seen this uh, played out over and over and over, specifically in the area of women's sports, where I think when you start seeing biological men competing specifically in women's sports, that really, really highlights like, oh, Mm. yep, (laughs) there are certainly differences between men and women. And I know every time we talk about this, we're always like, is this really a big issue? Like it's bathrooms. At the Mm. end of the day, you you have to use the restroom, use the restroom. But it's important because this has been important since 2015 when this bathroom issue really started getting kind of fiery in North Carolina. Yeah, Yeah. in North Carolina, the bathroom bail where the left went crazy. But it is important. Every story that we see this, we need to speak out because it went from just some public restrooms Mm -hmm. to now children in school are not safe to just use the restroom. And we saw what happened in Loudoun County not that long ago where this girl was sexually assaulted in a bathroom. This is not a, okay, this is just a silly argument and we want women to be women. Like, no, these girls are in danger if they don't have a space where they have to do something very intimate in private and they can't do that in a private space. Mm -hmm. It really opens a window for opportunists to take advantage of this. Mm -hmm. And I mean, even just Middle school boys being middle school boys, daring one another, like, hey, today, why don't you identify as a woman and use the women's restroom? Well, just like, you know, it comes down to, I mean, when they deny that there are real biological differences between men and women, that's a denial of human nature. But there's other sorts of denials of human nature that are going on there, too. Mm -hmm. You know, denying that there may be a deviant in the crowd who will exploit Mm -hmm. these policies, Um, you know, denying that that even, you know, sort of is a possibility. Yeah, absolutely. And when you were 12 and 13 years old, you are so self-conscious about everything in your life. And to not be able to, I mean, go number two in the bathroom without a boy being there, mm-hmm. like that is like really terrifying Yeah, to put yeah. yourself, I mean, even as an adult, that would be terrifying to think of. Like, no, you are in a space where these kids are spending most of their awake lives during the week at, at the, these schools, and they can't do like one of the most basic functions without being totally politicized and being made uncomfortable to just satiate a just tiny, tiny little fraction of the woke left. Mm-hmm. Well, and as Loudoun County in Virginia, which is uh, about about an hour uh, west of Washington, D.C., we've talked so much about Loudoun County on this podcast. Um, and during Loudoun County's school board debates over whether they were going to open up their bathrooms to be, you know, men and women can go in whatever bathroom they want. There was a, a student who was probably like 14, 15 year old girl who spoke at one of these school board meetings and she stood up and gave this really powerful 60 second speech and talked about how awkward it is just among females to be in the bathroom and opening a pad mm. and like that crinkle of the paper and how you felt awkward. <laughs> and you're like, do my friends hear that? It's so weird. <laughs> She's like, imagine having to do that next to a boy. Like, I don't want yeah. that. And it's like, yeah, like no one wants that. We want our privacy in the restroom. We, Women do not want men in our restrooms, period. We may see some, though, positive unintended consequences. I think after um, the hoopla with Obama... Uh, the first time around, we saw a huge jump in homeschooling mm-hmm. and um, people exercising sort of the tenets of school choice and things like that. So it's always interesting to see 
the unintended consequences of these sorts of moves or power grabs, you yeah. know, from the leftist identitarians and Sometimes how they it backfires yeah. on them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have a great idea. We should just get rid of classrooms. And we can just have one bathroom for each 47 genders that there are. <laughs> <laughs> Who's paying for this? <laughs> I have a feeling that we're going to finish recording this podcast and Genevieve's just going to still be, be like, guys, but seriously, where's Who's the money? <laughs> Follow the money. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Well, stay with us because uh, up next, we are going to be talking about another case of biological men competing in women's sports. It's almost frustrating that we're still talking about this, but here we are still having these news stories come through. It's important to be aware of and keep pushing back. But before we get to that conversation, a quick question for all of you. Do you need a job? If yes, then you need to sign up for the Heritage Foundation Job Bank. The Heritage Job Bank connects conservatives of all career levels to jobs with conservative employers all over the country, and it's free. If you sign up, the Job Bank will send you new job openings every week and invite you to their virtual job fairs and career seminars. The Job Bank team also offers one-on-one career consultations. Signing up is super easy. Just visit heritage.org slash job bank and click on register today. Last weekend, a biological male swimmer who identifies as a female crushed female competition and set new U.S. swimming records during a competition in Akron, Ohio. The male now goes by the name Leah Thomas. Thomas is 22 and attends the University of Pennsylvania. After competing as a male for three years, Thomas switched over to the female swim team this year. The NCAA allows male students to compete on female sports teams if they have completed a year of testosterone suppression treatment. Thomas Glass completed as a male in 2019. However, Thomas has done that full year of testosterone suppression, so for the NCAA, he's fit to compete as a woman. So here's what happened in the pool during swimming races last Sunday. Thomas not only won the 1,650-yard freestyle, the transgender swimmer beat nearest competitor Anna Sophia Kalandes by 38 seconds. Thomas also broke two U.S. female record swim times in the 500-yard freestyle and 200-yard freestyle. I mean, you really have to be willing, in, in my opinion, to just totally deny the obvious and deny reality in order to be okay with this, to think that this is okay. Well, in my opinion, (laughs) just kidding. I think that, uh, you know, from the outset, I mean, my first, my first idea about it is what it would like, what would make somebody okay with sort of just getting rid of the whole idea of sport, which, which is like healthy competition, Mm -hmm. you know, and, um, and we do have winners and losers and we do, um, have hierarchies that you know are established um, in that. You know what is the what is the priority shifted to? Mm-hmm. It's shifted to sort of like this very um, communist utopian. Uh, we share everything. There's nothing that's mine or yours. You know. So I mean, I guess the most disturbing part of it to me is like just how warped these people are. It's like they've completely turned the whole society and its values, you know, um, some of which are competition and, um, you know, 
every man for himself and, you know, learning to, to self-reliance and like they've completely taken all of that and like twisted it and dropped it on its head. And Yeah. Well, yeah. there's a reason why we have male sports and female right. sports. Right. And that has not been controversial right. by and large for forever. And now all of a sudden, why is it OK for males who simply say, yeah, I, I think I'm a female to be competing with females like right but just, like the, the logic just doesn't follow right and but the, it's also it's like the idea that it's they they could care less whether each female has an equal shot at like asserting herself and in, in competing and becoming the winner it's like they the the idea that there is a winner and a loser in sports is like completely unimportant to these people it's just so that everybody's um individual expression can happen you know <laughs> and <laughs> Yeah, it's like, this isn't art. This it's, is sport. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> that's so true. Like, yeah, let's it's keep them not separate. Art, it's sports. Yeah, okay. yeah, you have like, your First Amendment right, but you don't have a First Amendment right, right. to swim and get a scholarship for it. <laughs> right. So, like, nobody right. has rights here. It's, right. it's sports. It's extracurricular. It's above yeah. and beyond. And the fact that the left continually stands for these transgender athletes who, you know, we have sympathy for that they have gender dysphoria. They're going through something. We... We know that sports is a very healthy outlet to get out, whether that's aggression or I know if I don't ever feel good, if I can go for like a really good workout that like makes me feel a lot better. But they're putting the needs of this people over every other woman in that sport. And mm-hmm. it, it's just so disappointing that time and time again, they just can't see that, OK, we can help this person and we can try to find a creative solution, whether maybe he races with the women but are judged against the men. Like, how can we kind of work to make sure that these women and the integrity of their sport and that the fact, yeah, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. it, is, is respected and understood while also not just like going crazy woke left and, and virtue signaling. It's just another example. And we could just we need to have like a bucket in this studio where we're like one story about transgender athletes. One we in a quarter. And at the end of the oh, year, we like go out to lunch. Idea. Yeah, that would be fun. Yeah. OK, we're going to start that in 2022. Yes. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> no, but I mean, the, the science, too, on this is so clear. I mean, you have people saying, well, you know, they're, they're taking the testosterone suppression. So, you know, the playing field is equal. Well, obviously, no, it's it's not. And for years and years and years, there have been thousands of studies done on the physical differences between men and women. The National Institute of Health, uh, they have said that there are over 3,000 genes that are differential uh, expressions in males and female skeletal muscles. And then according to Fair Play for Women, women's bodies, they're typically about 30 to 35 percent muscle by weight, while a man's body is usually 40 to 50 percent muscle by weight. So just considering that muscular build, that obviously does not change drastically just with taking one year of testosterone suppression. There's also like a number of cognitive behavioral differences Mm -hmm. between the Mm -hmm. two genders, which I would think would factor into sports as well. It should. Yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I read it, which is a website online. I think most of our listeners have at least visited or is familiar Normally super left-leaning, but there's interesting stuff on there. And there was one article on the front page that talked about if I wanted to fight a woman, is she really that much weaker than me? Is it not fair? You clicked on it, and it was so funny because everybody was like, yeah, I would uh, wrestle my little brother. And even though he was five years younger than me, like he could pin me if he really wanted to. And everybody had this story of like, yeah, my brothers would totally beat me up. Like, like it's even this left-wing site where they're always like, 
they would love this story on on Reddit. Yeah. But they're willing to recognize that, yeah, men are just stronger. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just sort of a thing of nature. Yeah. Like, it just is what it is. We can't change that. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Now, it is is a little bit encouraging to see that there's some positive movement forward with different state legislatures that have been trying to pass uh, Save Women's Sports Act that essentially say only men, only biological men can compete with men, only biological women can compete with women. The Pennsylvania state legislature, they have introduced one of these bills. It's not come up for a vote yet, um, but there's optimism that they will that they will move forward and pass this. There's actually a total of 37 states wow. that have introduced some sort of save women's sports type bill. Uh, and in 2021, there were seven states that passed laws that said, okay, yes, only only men in men's sports, only women in women's sports. So we're moving in the right direction, maybe uh, a little slower than I would like to see, but hopefully over the course of the next year, we'll see a lot of these bills passed and and sports continue to be respected. Yes. As a sports lover, that makes me very happy. Yeah, I know. It's a good thing. Well, Genevieve, we're going to let you go, but thank you so much for being here. Thank you. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Come and get me again. I know. We will. We will. (laughs) Stay with us because up next, we will tell you about a Christmas tree arson in New York City and announce the most popular emoji of 2021. Welcome back for our next segment. A homesman identified as Craig Tamanaha has been arrested for lighting the New York City Fox News' Christmas tree on fire. Around 12.15 Wednesday morning, the man was spotted climbing up onto the Christmas tree platform and shoving papers into the frame of the tree before setting them on fire. The man was arrested shortly thereafter. The tree was 50 feet tall and built with a metal frame. It was decorated with 10,000 glass ornaments and 100,000 lights. Fox News said that they are going to rebuild the tree sometime this month, but apparently it takes 21 hours to assemble. Man, I do not envy the people that have to rebuild that. That is so sad. So definitely not at all to make light of this situation, um, but all morning what has been running through my head is just that scene out of The Grinch where he lights the Christmas tree on fire and then it falls to the ground and then they come out and they're like, good thing we have a spare. <laughs> um, so sadly, New York City, Fox Station, they don't seem to have a spare, but they are rebuilding, so that's good. The man's motive is still not clear, although he did have a record of prior arrests for drug possession and public intoxication. So it's not like some dude hated Fox News and went into the Christmas tree and burned it down. Yeah. As far as we we know. know. Yeah. As far as we know, it wasn't politically motivated. Maybe slightly better, but I think it still shows these leftist policies in New York that's just letting crime run rampant. Mm -hmm. And it's just such a great, I mean, not great. It's a very sad, terrible thing, but it's a good example when you see a literal, beautiful Christmas tree burned down because some idiot, like, lit it on fire for for why for what reason yeah no it it really is sad and i think such a a sad commentary on what we've seen in a lot of these leftist cities across the country where homelessness is completely out of control um, and law enforcement are overwhelmed and there are not laws in place uh, that actually provide real solutions to the issues that so many of these cities are facing amid homeless crisis so sad that now a christmas tree has been taken out but we're glad they're rebuilding. Yes. 21 hours. Yeah. Oh, a long time. <laughs> glad I'm not a Christmas tree builder. I know. I know. <laughs> All right. Well, before we get to the crowning of our problematic woman of the week, we need to take just a moment to share some very significant data. Significant. Very significant data <laughs> that came out this week. Uh, and of course, that involves emoji. Um, All right. So, Lauren, can you guess the most popular emoji of 2021? 
So uh, I'm super chuggy, which is a Gen Z term for like being super annoying millennial, which I think the fact that I call myself chuggy makes me even chuggier. (laughs) (laughs) So I still use like the same ones that I've always used, like the little crying with laughter. I use like the heart and the one with the hearts around it. Mm hmm. But I'm guessing none of those are in the top ones. No. Okay. So you, uh, you're right there with the rest of the world. So the number one emoji, it's used 5% of the time um, when people use emojis, is the little, uh, the, the crying laugh face. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, the laughing face with tears. Yeah, All you Gen Z one. kids out there. <laughs> So, uh, and then number two is the heart. So wow, you are solid. I'm I'm basically a social media influencer now, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, no, those are always my like go to. Yeah, all the smiley faces are just yeah. really, really easy. Well, yeah. you can send the little red heart like, "Hey, sorry this happened. I'm the worst." Heart, yeah. It's like okay, everything's better. <laughs> I know what they meant. And if it's ever awkward, you just send the laughing, crying because it's like I don't know what to say. I don't to know that, what to say, but, but like, it's kind of <laughs> funny. Yeah. yeah. So I'm glad that the rest of the world is chuggy like me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. Well, the least used category is the flags, which I kind of get because they're all the way at the end, and I use the American flag. And every now and then, like if I'm talking to one of my friends that lives in another country, I might use one of their <laughs> flags. But I think I probably, yeah, there's probably yeah. only three country flags I've ever used in the entire time. Did they rank which country had their flag? Because it wasn't America. I'm going to just start texting. Oh, we'll have to find that. I did not see that data. Also, I'm a little concerned. How did they find out what emojis that were I using? I had that thought, too. It's like, this is a little disconcerting. Because if they can find emojis, I feel like then they can also, they just have access to everything. Mr. Like, NSA man that's listening, please tell us. Gone. <laughs> All right. Well, now that we've now that we've discussed the fact that we have no more privacy in America, <laughs> stay tuned for the crowning of our problematic woman of the week. The Biden administration has been in power for almost a year. And the radical left has been imposing its dangerous ideology on America. Not only do they want to expand government control and promote cancel culture, but they also want to rewrite our nation's history indoctrinate American students in our public school system, attack our traditional values of honor, liberty, and justice for all, and implement a Marxist agenda that unleashes socialism throughout our country. Here at the Heritage Foundation, we need your help to finish the year strong and prepare for the battles that lie ahead in 2022. By making a tax-deductible year-end gift right now, you'll help advance your principles free enterprise, limited government, individual freedom, traditional American values, and a strong national defense at a time when our nation needs these principles most. Visit heritage.org slash year-end to make your tax-deductible donation today. Now it is that time once again, my favorite time of the week, time to crown our problematic woman of the week. And the crown goes to Tiffany Polifko. Tiffany is a mom in Loudoun County, Virginia. You all may remember that we've talked a lot about Loudoun County, even in this very show. It is one of the wealthiest counties in America and located just about 45 minutes west of D.C. Over the past year, Loudoun County has been in the news a lot for promoting critical race theory and gender identity ideology. Tiffany is one of the many parents who have become an active voice speaking out against the indoctrination 
of their children. I recently had the chance to sit down with Tiffany for a Daily Signal documentary. The documentary, it discusses what exactly has happened, is happening in Loudoun County Public Schools and why the school board meetings became such really a, a place of tension and frustration and even a national story all over the country. People were talking about Loudoun County and, and ultimately people see that so much of what happened in Loudoun County and frustration over uh, really the indoctrination that was happening there influenced Virginia's gubernatorial race uh, just over a month ago. And uh, when we saw Glenn Youngkin, a Republican, win as governor, which has not happened in years in the state of Virginia. So I want to share just a little clip with you all um, from my conversation that I had with Tiffany. Loudoun County was in the spotlight over the last year, but this is happening all throughout our country. Parents are not co-parenting with the government, and those that are taking the time to actually research and find out what it is that their kids are being taught, even in such subtle ways, are standing up and they are speaking out. Virginia, I know that you've been working on this documentary and I've seen bits and pieces, saw the script, but this morning I really got to sit down and watch the documentary and Wow, it is so good. Oh, thanks, Lauren. It's so good. I feel I just relived the whole Youngkin election and watching these parents stand up and really like make a difference on a national stage. Yeah. I loved it. And I love the way that you really told a story. It wasn't just, okay, this happened. It was this happened and why. And you every detail and every major milestone was really well illustrated. Mm, thank you. I can't take full credit. You have an awesome team here at the Heritage Foundation multimedia team. They uh, they work magic with editing. I don't know how they do it. But it, it has been really cool to follow all of these parents that have just put a stake in the ground in Loudoun County and said, no, you cannot teach our kids to hate themselves because of their skin color. You cannot indoctrinate them with all of these leftist ideas. And I think we're seeing this shift across the country. And it's a really, really pivotal moment. And, you know, one of the things that's talked about um, in this five minute doc is parents saying, you know, I think I think that this this issue is not going away. And it probably for the next three years, as we move through various election cycles, this is going to be one of the biggest issues is people talking about education and the need to be protecting our kids. So super excited to be shining a light on this really important issue. The documentary is going to be out by uh, the end of this week. I, I want to cross my fingers, say maybe Thursday, the latest Friday. So you will be able to catch it on the Daily Signal YouTube channel to watch the whole thing uh, and just excited to share what is really happening in the field of education in America with all of you and really give this personal perspective from parents. Well, I can't think of a better note. We went into how terrible things are and finally <laughs> things are on the upswing. Yeah, so. always got to stay positive. Yes. So with that, that's going to be it for this week's edition of Problematic Women. Join us on Tuesday for a special interview edition with former Heritage Foundation president, Casey James, so excited to share this conversation with you. And of course, then join us next Thursday for another brand new edition of Problematic Women. Conservatives need your support in the podcast world, and we would greatly appreciate a five-star review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to subscribe. It really does make a difference. Have an excellent week. We'll see you Tuesday. Problematic Women is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is a product of The Daily Signal, produced by Lauren Evans and Virginia Allen. Special thanks to our editor-in-chief, Katrina Trinko. We produce Problematic Women in remembrance of our dear friend and former co-host, Bree Payton.